Up next on an all-new Rick and Rick. Stranger Things goes from Ego to Lego. Sony's new cloud gaming pact with Microsoft is huge news. But did PlayStation get the memo? The stunning new spot from Lacoste that goes ooh la la with amazing CGI <laughs> VFX. PDQ, CD play. Plus, beat the chief engagement officer. Why the CMO role isn't what it used to be. And toss in a side of loaded questions because it's all starting right here, right now. On the one show where everybody's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. Hey everybody, Rick and Rick are in the house. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rick Matheson, and I am joined, as always, by mon ami, Rick Wooten. That's a little French for you, Rick. I think it means my friend, or else, uh, did you remember to turn off the gas? I'm not totally sure. Anyway, how you doing? Oh, man, I had a great weekend. I uh, I meant to tell you, I went and saw the new John Wick movie. Uh, oh. I think it's, it's called Parabellum. Have, have you seen the commercials for this? It's been on my radar. Don't know a lot about it. This movie is fantastic. It's it's a roller coaster of like ups and downs. The action is constant. Uh, you know, you get a couple emotional mo- moments where you're you're cringing in your seat because you just want him to stop what he's doing. And then on the other hand, you're like, yes, yes, do it more, do it more. And to another scene, uh, it, and it's uh, it's it's actually pretty incredible. And of course, you've got cute puppy dogs in there. Uh, you got Holly Berry, who, by the way, I read this this bit. Holly Berry and Keanu Reeves trained with guns for six months to be able to pull off some of the scenes they did in the the movie, and it absolutely showed. They were fantastic in this. I will check it out. I'm still recovering from our last episode. I I was having, like, nightmares about all the parents naming their kids after Game of Thrones characters, (laughs) all the Theon and Shares. I kept having, like, these visions of, like, all these little hoders running around with saggy diapers. Yeah, hoder, hoder, hoder. Melt yeah, that freaking yeah. iron throne down and get some little iron porta potties out here so the little hoders have a place to unhode. I saw an article this last week, uh, and they were talking about all these people who named the kids after this stuff. And I think we talked a little bit about this last week. But particularly, I I must have seen it today, because particularly after last night's episode, all the parents that named their kids Daenerys are regretting it. And they are going to the Internet in droves to complain about this. And so, uh, yeah, I guess I guess this is a, you know. The moral of the story is don't name your kid until the season ends. We've got a movie coming out this week that I think we're going to have to do a, uh, a review of. It's that Brightburn movie. I was wondering. I knew it was out there somewhere. So it's finally here. Yeah, I heard about it for a little bit and then it went quiet. And yeah. then boom, it's coming out uh, this Thursday. So I'm, uh, I'm interested to see it. It's going to be... It's going to be fascinating to see how they take on this. And and I'm really surprised that somebody's allowing this movie to be made. I mean, I would I would think that, you know, it's not really canon and they really wouldn't want it to go that direction, but there you have it. Yeah, I, I don't think it is actually the characters. I think their last name is Brightburn. I noticed they have different names, so it is not literally Clark Kent. Okay. The, this but is a movie that essentially takes off the mythology around young Superman, Kal-El, crash landing on Earth in Kansas. They've got scenes right out of Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, but they play it differently, where instead of this wonderful little kid, he's kind of like a demon seed. His powers start to manifest, and it's bad news for everybody. It looks really fun. Um, I'm in. 
So we gotta explain this Stranger Things playset here. Tell me this thing isn't awesome. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this is a, it has to be an official Lego set. But anyways, they did a Stranger Things uh, diorama, basically. And uh, what they did is genius. They made it the upside down and the real world stacked up on Legos. And so it's like a mirror image of each other. And so on the top part, you've got all the main characters, you got their, you know, Ford Bronco, their, you know, radio equipment, they're running around looking for the their missing friend. And then on the lower part, they've got the missing friend in the in this darker version. They have the missing friend and one of those creatures from the show kind of running around down below. It is absolutely fantastic and uh, super creative. I think it was pretty cool. They got the buyer's house up at top and it's got like the yep. alphabet Christmas lights in the living room and you've got yep. Joyce Byers with an ax in her hand and a terrified look on her face. Hours of fun for the whole family here, folks. <laughs> I, I have seen a Lego box and it says for ages nine to 99. <laughs> oh, well, hey, <laughs> as long as it says that. Let's see about Sony's gaming pack. Uh-oh. Oh my God, this is crazy. So, <clears throat> One, I mean, it, it, look, within the console wars, you've got two sides. You've got Xbox and you've got PlayStation. And so the announcement today is that the Sony team decided to partner with the Microsoft team to do streaming games. And this is, you know, look, it isn't the Xbox and the PlayStation division. It's really the tech sides. It's the IT folks at Sony and the IT folks at Microsoft. But I mean, wow, this is like... DC Comics and Marvel deciding to go in and you know produce a movie together. I mean, this is a big deal. This is this is kind of crazy. But the the funny part of the story, and you picked up on this, is the people at the PlayStation division didn't know until it was announced, and so they oh, freaked out. And so they're running around like, "What's going on? What do you mean?" Is you know anyway. But uh, this is this is going to be interesting because you know uh, on on Microsoft's side, I mean they I don't think people realize how big of a cloud infrastructure they have, uh, but they have a very big, large, you know, sophisticated cloud infrastructure, and so you know a, a company like Sony, who that's not their main business, trying to have this streaming game service, you know, and, and they've been in it for a few years now. Sony's actually done a pretty good job with that, but they've had issues from a technical standpoint, you know, keeping it up, having enough bandwidth, having enough processing power, what have you microsoft's got that stuff dialed so this is actually a fairly rational partnership it's just a little ironic that it's two very big competing companies gotcha so for playstation owners or aficionados gamers this is all good news in general just surprised yeah. the team right well, yeah exactly so you know we were talking about this the other day game as a service or platform as a service or what have you this is actually the next generation of that where you stop buying the game and installing it on your device and instead all of the rendering all of the you know compute is is done in the cloud and all that your your console's doing is displaying the image and uh, because of this they can they can have very inexpensive hardware so you could you know with some of them you could actually use a tablet or you could use you know an inexpensive laptop to display these games so that's specifically what this is around it's about wow. Those games that are stored in the cloud that are, you know, still, you know, high fidelity 4K, 1080 games that are being pushed down from a display standpoint onto the, the screen of the user. So next gen stuff. That's cool. Great. We're going to need to take a quick break here, folks. When we come back, it's time for the good, the bad and the marketing. And we're going to be talking about the new role 
of the CMO. So hang tight. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. And we're back. It is time now for the good, the bad, and the marketing. Lacoste, Lacoste France, fashion brand, shoes, clothes. They got this great spot. It's part of a larger campaign that's called Life is a Beautiful Sport. This commercial features this you know, young couple, you know, early 20s, and they're like in their first flat in Paris, and they're having a really heated argument. She kind of turns her back on him for just a second, and she's starting to see little crumbs from the ceiling falling, and then all of a sudden you come to realize that their flat, the building that it's in, starting to split apart. They're suddenly moving farther away from each other and then there's this giant chasm between them they look at each other and it's like oh crud and so they both try to run down their respective sides going down you know the crumbling stairways jumping to the fire escape and they can't get to each other because they've got this heart-wrenching moment where they're kind of looking at each other and she starts to walk away from him and he's looking like oh god is she leaving she's not she turns around and she takes full use of the running room there and leaps and through the power of whatever these Lacoste tennis shoes and her clothing makes it all the way across the chasm there. By this point, each side of the building is starting to go diagonal. They slide wow. down the floors, out the door, they're running, and they embrace each other just as the facade of the building collapses on them, but there happens to be an open window, so they are okay. They're left standing there. But by the time all the dust settles, they're back in their flat. None of this happened. It was just the emotional state they were in when they did feel that there was this chasm between them. Really evocative spots. The VFX are incredible. It's spectacular. The set of commercials, this particular brand campaign, goes back four or five years. I, I saw an ad from 2014 where it was uh, a couple who kind of uh, catches each other's eye across a, a crowded train track, uh, you know, loading area. And uh, they kind of go through this. She goes into the train first, and then he tries to pursue her to catch up with her to introduce himself. And as they, you know, the, the whole thing starts out maybe in the 1920s or 30s. And as they move through the different cars that she's ahead and he's trying to catch up, uh, the time around them is warping. And so then it's the 40s, then the 50s, then the 60s. And it's, again, it's a, this incredible special effects. And eventually, you know, she stops at a car and he comes out to meet her and the, the two train cars separate, similar to what you're talking about with the, the room. And uh, he ends up having to jump on another train and then leap, you know, you know, hundreds of feet to, to you know, land on the other train to, uh, to, to get back together with her. And then the train crashes and it's wow. very dramatic. And so anyways, it, it, I think this is a campaign they've been doing for a while. And, and even that one is just visually stunning. I think, I think this is a this is a great spot. Totally fresh. Speaking to the emotion of this campaign, it's probably a good segue for talking about this piece that you sent over today about the changing role of the CMO. Absolutely. And this is something that we talked about a bit, right? I mean, this, uh, this article I sent over is actually a little over a year old, but I, it just came to my attention this week. And the, uh, the, the interesting thing is, and again, we've talked about this, is that the role of the CMO has gone from the historical thing where it was about, you know, doing brand campaigns and doing advertising and trying to get views and, you know, all that to adapting over time to be mo more of a emotional connection to the, uh, the customer, to the prospect. And so in this Forbes article that's titled why a chief marketing officer's role is not what it used to be, you know, they kind of talk through that and they talk about how important it is 
for companies to associate uh, with their customers in a in an emotional level. And I think this is actually what you and I have been talking about mm -hmm. when it comes to Taco Bell or KFC or Burger King with these great ads that they're doing where they're doing something completely different, right? Mm -hmm. What are they, what is, you know, Burger King doing with the, you know, hijacking the Whopper at the McDonald's, they're really trying to connect with people at an emotional level, competitive level. And uh, I think that's what we're seeing. And that's what, what Forbes has been talking about in this article. Overall, you know, when I first started going through the article, I thought, well, marketing's always been about creating emotional connections. But the thing is, I think we just forgot. Yeah. I think that we knew once upon a time that you, you weren't buying a mattress, you were buying a good night's sleep. You weren't buying breaks, yeah. you were buying protection for your most beloved children. Actually, all of your children. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that is a meta theme that the brand isn't the sum total of your marketing stack. I think we just forgot that and thought, well, I can reach this many eyeballs and do this many conversions or whatnot. And ultimately, that's not going to be competitive against brands that are going that extra mile and creating that emotional connection. So there may be, you said it several episodes ago, this kind of return to old school marketing. I don't think that's yeah. a bad thing. I think it's a high time that we got the muscle memory back on those emotional attachments, connections, and engagement. I agree with you. And I think what we're seeing is... Uh, for so long now, we've been so focused on the hype cycle and we've been focused on, you yeah. know, getting that first impression and, you know, getting them through the door and, you know, that first initial push that we've forgotten in the past, the value of that long lasting you know, relationship with the customer. And some brands haven't. I mean, you look at Apple, Apple's a yeah. prime example of this. They do a great job at managing it and keeping yeah. a long-term relationship. Certainly Google's been trying to do that. Facebook's been very successful, but there's a lot of companies who aren't and they're they're they've been so focused on this narrow view and so when we see things that go outside of that i think that's where you and i get really excited and that's what this article is talking about that's how you get people to stick not just get there the first time but to stick we do need to take a break and when we come back it is time for loaded questions so stay tuned all right, we are back. Welcome everyone to Rick and Rick Rule the World. Rick, are you ready for some loaded questions? I'm as ready as I can be. So my first question is, by the New York Times last count, there are at least how many Gen Xers confirmed to be running for president? A, 14, B, 11, plus two possibilities depending on birth dates, C, 11 plus three if you count Jared Leto, D, 11 plus Mayor Pete if he's lying about his age because otherwise he's actually the first millennial to run for president, or E, B, C, and D, though we're still waiting for Molly Ringwald to decide if she's in or out. <laughs> How That's many awesome. Gen Xers are freaking running for president in the 2020 election cycle? I thought it was 38, so I'm not going to get this one right. I'm going to go uh, with E, B, C, or D. You are correct. So yes. at least one of these answers. There are at least 11. <laughs> I do not believe a Gen Xer. I could be wrong. I have to check this, but I do not believe a Gen Xer has ever run for president. Uh, and here we have a millennial running this time. Question two. According to a new survey, what percentage of enterprises are fully compliant with the looming California Consumer Privacy Act that goes into effect just over six months from now? A, 20%. B, 2%, C, 14%, D, 19%, or E, what the hell is the California Consumer Privacy Act? <laughs> I'm going to say 2%. I think it's extremely low. I totally would have guessed that, but no, according to Marketing Land, still pretty bad, 
only 14% of enterprises are fully compliant so far with the law that has sweeping new privacy protections put in place beginning, I want to say it is January 1st. Now, here's a really fun fact. This week, as we're recording this, marks the one-year anniversary of all the fun and hilarity that was the launch of GDPR. Yeah, GDPR was tough, but this California one, I, I, I'm surprised that 14% are ready. I would say that it's less than that. Question number three, Calvin Klein's new I Speak My Truth in Hashtag My Calvins campaign caused an uproar for featuring supermodel Bella Hadid in a sensuous lip lock with which of the following? A, Lil Makila, a popular but completely computer-generated online fashion influencer. B, Shadu, a popular but completely computer-generated online fashion influencer. C, Cardi B, a popular but completely cool music and fashion icon, or D, Bella's own hand puppet, which she likes to call Topo the Bongo Playing Octopus. Which of these were featured kissing model Bella Hadid in a controversial new Calvin Klein ad? Well, you know I want it to be Bongo, but I know it's not. I mean, I need gonna more be Bongo in my life. That's right. Um, I think it was Little Michaela, right? You are correct. So Little Michaela is a popular but completely computer-generated online fashion influencer. And in this ad, it featured the two of them in a lip lock. I didn't see that curveball coming. When I saw controversy, I thought it was going to be about people saying, oh, I'm two women kissing. And that wasn't it at all. It was that they weren't necessarily properly representing. They didn't draw from the actual universe of people that they could have. So I thought that was pretty interesting. All right. Great job there. And Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please tune in next time for The One Show, where everybody's name is Rick and everybody rules the world. Thanks so much, everyone.